But he gave me the job, and on that day, five blonde girls resigned because I became indirectly their boss. A young black woman with an afro, with an afro coming who in to knew be their what boss. she was doing, who mm. could relate and speak well, act well. I'm Chantal Miller, proud Navision and Jamaican, and founder of Island Girls Rock. On this podcast, we champion women of the Caribbean and this diaspora encouraging them to share their stories in a space created to celebrate them. It's equal parts fun, informative, thought-provoking, and always engaging. Welcome to our tribe. For our final episode, we sat down with Sherry Ann Dixon, and I'm saying it with such glee in my voice because for a very long time when I was growing up in Nevis, Sherry Ann Dixon to me was like Oprah. Okay, so to have her here in the studio talking about, you know, just the way that she has created her career and has fulfilled a gap in the market for black women to be heard, seen and understood. Sherry Ann Dixon is a trailblazer. She's all the words, the icon, the legend. She's everything and so much more. And I'm so excited that our final episode features the magic. Sherry Ann Dixon. It's our season finale, and I don't know whether I should be excited or sad. I think I'm a mixture of both. I'm excited because of our guests that we have for our season finale, and I'm sad because it's our season finale, right? Mm. Okay, so, hi, Sherry. Hi! (laughs) I got here, finally. It's amazing. Yes, we have the legend, Sherry Dixon, in the Island Girls Rock House. Welcome. Thank you, darling. Thank you so much for inviting me so it's, I can share my Caribbean listen. stories. And <laughs> it's such a pleasure. Um, and selfishly for me, it's because I have looked up to you and you probably don't know this for mm. so many years. Honestly, as a, a young teenage person in um, Nevis, growing up in Nevis, and then when wow. I moved Back to the UK as a young adult, although I don't know if they would call that age young. I don't know. 29? 29? <laughs> that's young. Girl. I feel like that's still young. young. As, a, as a young adult and all the work that you'd been doing with Thank Pride. You. And then you left and went to... But I won't go into that because there's so much to share about you. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we can speak about. So I thought the simplest way to do it is almost to do a timeline of Sherry okay. Dixon. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Bring right? out my age right now. No, no, no. I mean, only if you want to share it, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. Only if at some point you feel that it's relevant. Yeah. But we'll do a timeline. And we'll start off with the first question that I usually ask is, who hmm. are you representing today? I am representing Guyana. I'm a Guyanese girl to the core. To the core. To the core. And I will never, ever stop being that, no matter where I am. And I absolutely love that. And I'm thinking that you may be our first Guyanese. What? (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. And Sherry, a question that I also like to ask is, who are you and why do you think you're here? Who am I? Who am I? Actually, it's really weird because that's part of my book, um, which I'll tell you about later. But one of the things I I ask anybody when I'm mentoring them is, Mm. who are you? So I asked that of myself and I thought, 
Should I talk about my career? Because my career really has helped me to be who I am today, okay. right? Okay. So I am all, I'm lots of things. Mm. I think there's no one word that describes me. Okay. I'm a person who just likes to evolve. Okay. I believe in becoming. I, I, Michelle, I had that word before, Michelle, okay? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, I was becoming Sherry Ann right. for a long time. And so I would like to, to talk more about my personality rather than the mm. job role. Okay. And I would say vibrant, okay. energizing, um, somebody who gives a damn about mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. whether it's here or there. Okay. You know, here being England and there being anywhere else in the world. Right. And and then lastly, I'm somebody who b- believes in self-development. I never stop learning. I never stop wanting to know mm-hmm. to my detriment sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love that in that you embrace a constant evolution. Yes. So it, it never really stops. Yeah. And that for me, I think it's such an important thing as human beings, but especially as black women, that we constantly allow ourselves to evolve. But I'm going to take it back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm going to take it back Uh to when you were six years old, because I read somewhere that you discovered an element of your purpose from the time you were six. Yes. Well, I know so only because mm-hmm. my grandmother told me this. Okay. And then she told my auntie and she told my auntie this story because I'm, I'm, anyway, I'll go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting at the age six, six or seven on the back stairs because, you know, in the Caribbean, you, your house, you have so the this front is in stairs in Guyana. You right. have the front stairs, you have the back stairs. The guests came up the front stairs, which sounds a bit like slavery, but, you know, the, the proper people come up the front stairs <laughs> and then everybody else that's Go coming to, to visit comes through the back, the back gate, <laughs> okay. right? Um, but anyway, that's how my grandmother had it. Mm-hmm. And we used to sit there and the boys, and maybe it was something to do with the boys, but the boys from the back house, because it was like, um, a front house and then we were the middle house and then you know one lane and then the ones at the back yeah. and this boy used to ask things like why do you like reading it's me you're reading today because I was always <laughs> reading um, and I and I and I said Ine Blyton Ine Blyton okay. and then I'm sure it was Billy Bunter or something wow. and I'm um, reading it and then I used to be telling him the stories and he would he's in, he was inquisitive and he would ask well why she do that you know it's the wise mm-hmm. and I would be there saying yeah but why not why can't why can't girls do that why should it be boys have bat and ball right. and girls um, have the, this dolly that does nothing um, and we so we would debate and I think she my grandmother was a seamstress she was sitting by the, uh, the bedroom window listening to me debating about about why not so this is you at six, seven years six, old. Six, so already said. becoming Sherry Ann Dixon, yes. the inspirational speaker. The, the person who will uh, will then go on to say, I believe I can, you yeah. know, because that was my motto. I can and I will. Mm-hmm. Um, again, B- Baraka didn't bring that one in. I did. <laughs> and they said I should sue them, you know. And, <laughs> but basically that's, that's mm. and I always knew. And then... When I was, I came to England, my my mum sent me to England. Okay. So you were born in Guyana? I was born in Guyana. Okay. And and at the age of 10, my mum, 
mum, I don't know, you know, grown ups talk to each other. Yeah. And then she just, they decided that I should go and live in England with my auntie, who was a midwife and also okay. my godmother, because it's a better life. Right. As you know, it's not always what it's perceived to be the land of gold and honey or the streets yeah. of paved with gold and gold. honey. It's yeah. like, uh, this is no, I want to go home, but you can't right. go back because at that time, BOAC was the only plane and it was hundreds, maybe it was hundreds of pounds, yeah. not thousands, yeah. but it was very expensive. So um, when I got here... After about three, four months, I wanted to go back because that, mm-hmm. that that was in the 70s. Okay. And I suppose looking back on it, it's the Windrush yeah. days because it was 1974, I okay. think it was. And those were the days of hatred, people not liking you. You really I, landed in it. I came in it and wow. there was, uh, in the family, all of us lived in the same house. Mm-hmm. You know, so Uncle Joe lived over that side, <laughs> in that room and that person. Yes. But it was a Lovely family. It was it was warm. It's like being in the Caribbean again. So it was your village. It was our village, yeah. yes, in that one house. And anybody that's old enough would understand what that one house meant. Absolutely. Yeah? So cook up on Saturday, mm-hmm. pepper pot for Christmas, nothing. Diane's pepper pot. It's, it's I, just the business, I, I just right? cannot. I, I <laughs> can't deal with a pepper, but okay. <laughs> so we did, we, basically I did all that. Mm. And then um, while I was doing that, I went to work at Natmiss Bank. In, in, in this was at the age of 16. Okay. No, my mum died. Oh. Sorry, let me go back a little okay. bit. My mum died at about 14 when mm. I was about 13, How 14. was that for you? That was horrible because mm. I said goodbye to my mother at the airport. I remember her bending down and I remember right. her saying... Be a good girl for our mummy. You know, don't give auntie no trouble. Right. And make sure you do your aunt homework and make sure you do your homework and spell, learn to spell properly because when you write, you don't spell good. You know, right. the thing, they gave you this list, didn't they, mm-hmm. of things that they wanted from you. Never did they ask, mm. um, how do you feel about going to England, live in England? No, no it's not Think about, about having it. a choice. Told. Yes. So, so I went, I, I remember her saying, walk, as you walk, Walk, walk to the plane. Don't look back. Don't look back. Mm. And and I didn't look back. And I went up on the plane. And imagine this little ten ten year old girl walking up on the plane to the plane and sat in the chair, the back seat, and cried, bawled. And a little boy, um, my boy, was sitting next to me, and he just kept staring. And I just didn't understand why he kept staring and giving him that look, the side eye, ten year old look. Mm. But basically, when I looked through the window, I saw my mum and my dad hugging yeah. and crying. And that of was course. the last time I saw my mum. Really? So that only came out so when I started writing my book. she didn't come to join you? No, she never. Oh, she never sure. came. Okay. And it's when I started to write my book, mm-hmm. you know, as you're writing the journey, as I've just told you. Yes. I, sudden, I stopped. My fingers froze because I suddenly realised I never saw my mum again. And I had the picture at the airport with her standing there with me and all of us taking the pictures, you know, as you do with the two big ponytails in your hair. But that, um, in a way, although she died, I remember saying, I'm going to do the things that you wanted to do. Because I remember she used to talk about Paris and maybe they they read that. So she left that legacy with you. She did, because I always remember it. And as I've gone on over the years working in the... One of the first black girls that worked in Matt West Bank yes. in Sloan Square. 
it was the Higginbottom. And you were 16 years old working. 16 years old. At NatWest. And that's where in Sloan Square. Then I'm, well, that was the black and proud days. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, Martha Luther King was being beaten up in America and we were getting show reels, which we used to have to go in some, some, uh, some shop. Some somewhere, somewhere to, some just to, see. to see those things because it wasn't of on course. TV, all right? It was right. only Diana Ross and the Supremes on the TV or Martha Reeves. You know what I'm saying? I do. I understand. So basically, um, I, I was doing that, and I remembered I I went to a, a club as we used to on, Friday, on Sunday night, and you know to get your hair afro, you had to to plait it, right. put it in Vaseline, uh, Vaseline and water, and then. Um, Chiny bump it. Yes, Chiny bump it. Yes, and then when you took it out, it was just this beautiful curls in your in your head. And I wanted to be Angela Davis, and so so I had that. Um, okay. And I forgot, you know, when you get home like four, three or four o'clock, you get up in the morning, wash your face quickly because you got to be up by seven, mm-hmm. brush my teeth, and forgot. That it wasn't that it was Monday morning. <laughs> you have to straighten him back again. Wow. So I went to work with the curly thing, mm-hmm. and the, it was swept the whole bank. Sherry, what have you done? What have you done? You looked as if you stuck your finger in a plug, Sherry. And you remember those were the days we couldn't. And you know, back. we would call that a microaggression. Now, yeah. now we wouldn't accept that. No, we How? Wouldn't. What? What did you do when that comment was made? Just, uh, I think we were brought up from the Caribbean not mm-hmm. to answer back. Okay. So you just did and you took it and then and went home and then what happened, I now, I was out. So what's the point of going back and straightening right. it? Right. So I went to work the next day and a few days after that. And you, st- you kept your hair in the afro. I kept it. But I, I, I didn't think that I was being militant, but obviously the effects of watching all these things at the weekend with mm-hmm. people being beaten and shot and all that, I think I was becoming quite yeah. um, militant. Oh, maybe just even more aware. Yeah, I think right? so. I'm sure. Because you sure were still quite young at that point. Yeah, it was by that time when she was telling me not to do it, mm. it would have been seven, 18 maybe right. by that time. Anyway, so the hair stayed and then she sort of intimated she being the senior secretary mm-hmm. intimated if you don't want to change it you you you, you bet, better find another job so and I remember that. sitting and mm. I was proper typewriter days right yeah and I, I wrote and my that. notice mm. that day and I remember this man an older guy that was working there says I can't believe these people send her on a course and then she comes back and hands in her notice so he was observing that they were spending money sending young the younger generation off to train but remember those are the days that we couldn't um we couldn't get women that is Mm -hmm. couldn't get bank um, could we get a bank account? I don't even think so. I don't know. And, and 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 but I know I couldn't buy a house. I couldn't get a mortgage. What do you mean you couldn't? You they just weren't allowed to. They weren't allowed to. That for me is to. such. And that wasn't that. That long wasn't ago. just black people. That was women. Just women. Yes. So you had to have a male a man partner. have to sign with you. So invariably, the people who had houses here, mm-hmm. women that had houses up there, and they would have to find somebody, uncle, somebody right. to sign up okay. with them. And this is when? The 70s? That would be in the early 70s, yeah. I had two children, one after the other by the time I was 20. Right. And I still didn't understand what my role was going to be because okay. I'm, I'm lost Cause, cause now. that's quite young still, though. Yeah. So. 
But you know, people would say, get married. You can't have children and not get married, right? Right, but you... <laughs> then, then. <laughs> and so I got married at 20, okay. first child at tw- 21, second at 22, mm-hmm. and then went to work in a PR firm. So tell me, how did you go from banking to PR? To PR? That's what I want to know. How did... What was there in between? How you got these jobs was like I liked finance. No, no, I didn't like finance. I could type it good. Okay. And lots of people hated typing figures. Right. And obviously because I went into the bank and then and then did something else, Tempin. Um, Tempin was more popular then. Yeah, it was. And I think that it followed. So basically it, it followed that path. And the person I went to work for in a PR, it was it was financial PR firm. Ah, so I was okay, working so for that's the a link. So that's right. the link, right? But the chairman of partners was the role, the job role mm-hmm. in um, Shandwick, and Shandwick was the largest financial PR firm in the world. Um, and next thing you know, um, I'm working for the chairman. And I came, I remember going for that interview with my hair flying like Diana Ross ten right. days later, mm-hmm. and putting on um, this suit that looked like a Chanel suit. Mm -hmm. He gave me the job, but Mm -hmm. he said, you don't seem very happy. I said, because I've been for so many interviews and I know as soon as I've gone home, you're not going to say I should be a social worker because that's what the agency said, that a lot of people felt I was more... relative to being a social worker. Simply because you're a black woman, Mm -hmm. you should be a social worker. That's right. There's no other option for There's no option. Right. But he gave me the job and on that day, five uh, blonde girls, well, not that day, but that week, five Mm -hmm. blonde girls resigned because I became indirectly their boss. Because my boss was a chairman And you were in your early 20s. I was in my early 20s, yeah. A young black woman with an afro coming in to be their boss. Who knew what she was doing, who Mm -hmm. could relate and speak well, act well. Mm -hmm. So that boss was the first motivator I had. Okay. He basically told me, why are you bothered about it? Let them resign. We'll get more people. He said, what they think of you is none of your business. What I think about you is my is your business. And so I went on to be eight, ten years working in PR. In PR. But being prepared by my grandma for knowing how to speak, how to walk, mm-hmm. how to to relate to people of a high caliber helped because I was trained in the home. Yeah. And I say this still to today. And you had that confidence. You mm. had, you know, your your early fight. foundation days were in Guyana. That's right. Where you were surrounded by people that looked and sounded like you. Yes. So you had that inner confidence that you no could patois. basically do anything that there you wanted to do. There was in the sense, of mm. course, we can all speak the yeah. dialect. Yeah. But we had to speak um, English first. Yes. Is, is it same, weird? Same. Absolute same. My grandmother uh, was girls, not having like, it. Not having it. Don't no. come in here speaking. You coming in here and speaking broken dialect? Nah, not having it. Doesn't work. So basically, that's where I learned mm. PR. I learned uh, a beauty client came in and they wanted us to do a little... Something about okay. um, about beauty, what women want, what do they right. like, and all that right. sort of thing. And it was in doing the vox pops and things on the road, asking people so we mm-hmm. can get this schedule of what women want together. I realised my black women really didn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. They didn't because they didn't want. No, no, no. Don't want to speak. Don't want to give you an example. The, you know, and if they did, where do your parents buy their stuff in the market? Okay. So there was no visibility. We were lacking. We weren't okay. registered as what 
black women want. And I realized at the end of all of that, Mm -hmm. that we didn't have a voice. Okay, so this is interesting for me because you are very much a voice, one of the strongest voices for black women Mm -hmm. in the UK and especially women of Caribbean heritage. You don't shy away from letting people know Mm -hmm. that you're Guyanese, that you're an island girl. And again, that's something that has really inspired me in my own journey. So what I want to know is, okay, so you're realizing at this point, you're still working in PR that, okay, there's a gap here. I'm not hearing my women. They're not being empowered. You know, how did you then jump from PR to to journalism, editor in chief of Pride? Well, I realised that when it came to beauty and that was my thing, I loved, right. you know, we all had the boxes of here, okay, that we would be straightening and mm-hmm. doing all those things. And I was the go-to person for that. Okay. But what I realised that the magazines didn't quote anybody that was was women of colour, mm-hmm. black. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was going to be that person. Okay. So... From understanding how PR works, I went and I did this beauty or makeup course and then I re- I was good at it. So right. they sent me off to Luther Vandross one day when he came in. So you were a yeah, makeup artist? Yeah, I, I left PR, I went to right. makeup artist to become a makeup artist. And I think at that time my husband thought I was having a nervous <laughs> breakdown to leave all that money to go and do this. Anyway, I started to write my own articles because I realised we didn't have a voice. But but I understand how editors work when you work in PR. I used to write the articles and send it to them. This is what we think, you know. We know we don't have extra thick skin or extra oily skin. It's just that we have more more oil molecules, you know, so that our skin stays nice and supple. And then they started to print my stuff. Okay. Because it's free and it's educating them as well. And then the roll call came in from Bella to um, Cosmo to a little bit of Vogue, mm-hmm. a teeny really bit of Vogue. <laughs> How did that feel uh, when you got that your That felt first good. I blew it up on a photocopier <laughs> and made it a big page. So it started with that and then the mm. voice um, and then black hair and beauty. And I then became the... The, the power of speaking about women mm-hmm. of colour with, with regard to hair and beauty, but also I could, I had the profession, I qualified, yeah. so nobody could take me apart. And mm. that, that was basically it. And then I became, Pride called me and asked me, why are you writing for everybody else and not for us? And I said, well, you never asked me. And they asked me. And so I went to work. And you them. said, yes. And Sometimes I'm, you just have to ask, just right? And I think on the first day, <laughs> Lennox Lewis was the client. Lennox Lewis. Oh, wow. And so I called my friends. I don't, I'm a believer and I want to get this bit over mm-hmm. in that as you walk, you pass the baton on, you take people with you or people that are worthy with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And um, I called my two friends and they came and they did his locks. And when I called them, they said, you're talking about Lennox Lewis, right? The Lennox Lewis, the boxer, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. went on for about five minutes. Anyway, they came, <laughs> did that, and I just did, of course, the body and the colour. Oh, of course. Know, and, <laughs> and that was the beginning of it. And okay. through being an editor, I was asked to then interview people like Mandela, yes. Maya Angelou, yes. Luther Vandross, obviously. Then he told Barry White and, and Diana Ross and all these mm. different people. So it all kind of started so to come to you. To see what yeah. I mean. It came and... That's it. I did that over 10 years. But you created that trajectory yourself because you saw. I wanted it. Exactly. And I achieved it. 
because I, when people are sitting there watching Corey at night, not that Corey wasn't in the background there, hello, but I would be reading, I would read the magazine, mm-hmm. see what they wanted mm-hmm. for, for their audience, and I'd adapt it to a black mm-hmm. audience. And what I really love about this story and what you're sharing, you know, and I hope you guys are taking notes, yeah. is that if there's something that you want, if yes. there's a gap, and you want someone to create it, create it yourself. Don't wait for someone else to do it. And that's what I'm hearing a lot through everything that you're sharing with us. It really resonates. You saw something that was missing. How come they're not telling our stories? Yes. How come they're not writing about our beauty? They got it how wrong. Come they're not I mean, how can I correct us? it? And you did it. Yeah, and you I just did it. it. And as I you said, it. you were doing it for free for a long time, though. You put in the work. Yes. Before. To me, you have to want it bad enough. Mm. Because if I'm watching Lorraine Kelly show and I was like, why do they, you know, otherwise. Yeah. Then I write off to Lorraine Kelly show telling them off. Lorraine, I really love your show. I watch it every day. But you know what? I never see me on there. Next thing you know. Exactly. Well, the girl kept it, Mm -hmm. that letter. And then they were doing something on bleaching cream, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. But that got me through the door. Right. And and, and then I I ended up saying, Lorraine, listen, not everybody wants to be Michael Jackson. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of us quite happy with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, And then Lorraine's trying to obviously keep it on the path. Okay. And, and, and anyway, I did it. And so, then the journey continues exactly. with radio and then public speaking, which is where right. I am now. So basically what we're going to call this episode, right, <laughs> is the Island Girls Rock Guide to Making Shit Happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like is, that one. This is the name of the episode, yeah. The Masterclass. You want it, go get it. Okay, you want it, make it happen. Yeah, Just yeah. Ma- And take your people with you and as you said qualified people qualified people because sometimes you we do feel every... that obligation no. just because I but no you so. can't do that no. if you if you want to represent us and represent us well mm-hmm. then you do so with the best of us take it see you know yeah I've seen people being interviewed mm-hmm. and I think I like that mm-hmm. and I might make a note of her name and then something will happen it might be that I might GMTV and yeah. I'll say oh this girl does a good story on mm-hmm. something or the other mm-hmm. and then that way you you take the people who are worthy with you absolutely you know and I like working with good people too yeah because it's about setting standards it's about even when I worked at Pride somebody wrote something horrible about me one time saying I was like Hitler I had a ruled with an iron fist and, and some people was like oh you should tell her off I said no she's right you know Mm. I didn't like the Hitler bit, but but she's right about everything else. Okay. Because being a Virgo, I'm just pedantic. You're a perfectionist. Um, hello. You are Virgo. And so I was set the whole night <laughs> to get something right. Yes, you so were. So I'm at the stage where the word is still being used. Remember from six-year-old, it was about the word. Uh-huh. And then and then using the word to write. So this is where your and power is. My, my powers in the word mm. and if I look back or any parent can look back at their child have a look at what that child is good at because I know I was good at the word I always got A and A pluses when right. it came to social education they called it at that time English language English literature it's right. all about the word and projection of the word right. so what I feel is that I I'm still doing that because now I'm a motivator and my... Wait, Sherry, have hold I up. Skipped We've skipped, yes, yes. <laughs> have I skipped? We have skipped something you know, very I'm integral trying to, run to your... Home. I know, <laughs> I know you're not getting away without talking about... What have I forgotten? She, 
She, Saint Lucia. Oh, Saint Lucia. What? She. Come yes. on now. Okay. Pride, I was with Pride yes. for 10 years. Yes. And then I was getting bored because I always need chance. People say, how okay. do you get bored? Okay. Got bored, not because anything was wrong with Pride. I, I think bored with life as it was okay. in England. And I just wanted a break, but I, and I thought I was going to retire. So I knew Mae Wayne, who was the... Um, publisher mm-hmm. she was a friend and she kept on saying i'm waiting for sherry to come and, and i want to relax and give it over to somebody and she's the person i want to give it to mm-hmm. and then one day i think i went to st kitts oh. and oh you went where sorry I went to st kitts she went to st kitts and nevis <laughs> and nevis okay. <laughs> and we went there for the jazz festival right and my boss was sending me emails Asking me where, where's this and where's that? And I thought, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Do you know, every two weeks we're turning around. A monthly magazine means every two weeks you're turning around. Okay. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. And I sent my notice from St. Kitts. From St. Kitts or St. Lucia? From St. Kitts. From I sent St. Kitts. My notice oh, you were there for Pride. the music festival. Yes. Yes, And of then um, I, rang, I rang May or wrote to her saying, I'm coming for that job in St. Lucia. And she said, yes. Obviously, she brought down my salary. <laughs> <laughs> because what I was earning in England, you can't yeah. earn it. And I went to St. Lucia. Loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd gone there a few times. Okay. So she magazine was already there. It yes. was doing quite well, but she wanted to engage a British audience. A wider audience. And, and, and bring mm. in some of the Brits. And that was my role. And okay. then, of course, I went there and forgot. Not forgot, but I did everything British and then still became popular in the Caribbean. This is really ridiculous that I did that, but it it was I wanted to show them what they had. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the Caribbean people tend to forget that they don't have to wait until um a holiday, a holiday weekend. Mm-hmm. Easter, for example, mm-hmm. to go on the beach. You can actually go any day of the week. Any, any day. day. Now say it again. Any day of the week, you guys can go to the Just beach. Just go and walk go in along. your own water. Come on. You can go and hmm. knock down a mango, uh, a couple of mangoes and make a smoothie. Every day. Well, in mango season. In yes. mango season. In mango season. You know, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that they mm. let it drop. And then the same people are buying a Fanta or a Cork or something. I hear you. And, and those are the things that I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to. And eating buy fresh local and buy local. Yes. And I think St. Lucia opened, not think, I know St. Lucia opened up my eyes to living, living back home. To realistically living back yeah, home. Yeah, to realistically. Yeah. Obviously, it's harder for, for people um, there. But I still think I could, if I went back to live there, I can have two planting and some cassava. Absolutely. And just make gravy and, and some grilled corn and eat that because Absolutely. I don't need meat. I'm vegan. I'll, I'll say, I'll say it a bit know, louder. She's vegan. She's I'm vegan. vegan. I'm vegan. But I'm getting there. I'm <laughs> yes. pescatarian. But I still think that we don't appreciate what we have. Just have the avocado slice yeah. on the side yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But I we, love it. We I don't, love eating We don't home. learn enough. Of, anyway, I remembered writing something in my diary about living in paradise, lonely in paradise. Okay. Lonely in paradise. And I, I now know that I wasn't ready to retire then. I might. Okay. Well, I don't even know if I'm ready to retire now. I don't think you're ready to retire. No. Sherry. No. But I travelled the whole Caribbean with that job, you know. Mm. You would be going to Barbados for a meeting or, you know, think, you know, Mm. different parts of the 
islands in other islands. Right. And that opened my eyes to behavior at an attitude. Mm. Because quite often, and I know people are going to hate me for saying say this. Say it. Please say it. They speak down to each other. Mm. They don't. They don't praise. I notice the you stupid or what? Right. That type okay, of behavior. That kind of yeah. To the a linguistic child. culture and yeah. Yeah, there was little things, and the the men were more um, spoke down to, to the women. Okay. At that time when I was there, I right. just noticed it, and you know me, Miss Haughty, I was like who. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Who you to? think you be? Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. I had to learn. I had to learn a lot of things about. Okay. Because I think if I, I I I never disrespect anybody. I don't disrespect a man. I don't disrespect the cab driver. Mm. But if you step in the wrong direction, I can go Creoles in a in right. a heartbeat. You right. know, the Guyanese mixed with a little Jamaican with everybody <laughs> coming out, right? And so I I now I have as I've got older. I've learned to taper it with silence. When okay. ignorance is bliss, sometimes it's just better to be silent. There's a big difference to being silent than being, you know, apologetic and lacking of confidence. I, I'm a lecturer in confidence now. Okay. I'm a qualified lecturer in confidence. Okay. I came back and did that course. Right. And now I speak with confidence and I teach people how to be confidence. Confident but not aggressive, big difference. And there is a difference. Yes. So you left St. Lucia after trying it for a year, and just about a year about and a half. 18 months, yeah. 18 months. Mm -hmm. And I completely understand, you know, the definitely cultural differences yes. in in everything, you know, yeah. as idyllic and romanticized as yes. the Caribbean is. It is still... Okay for two weeks. It is still real. Yes. <laughs> you know, and just yeah. like everywhere else in the world, there are pros and cons. Oh, yes. And depending on where you are in your life, mm -hmm. sometimes you are more tolerant of nice. the cons and sometimes you're like you know what hell no yes. I gone and that's yeah. that's also a privilege though because not everyone has that privilege yes. of saying you know what I gone just you know? like that I'm going home and you came I, home because you can't speak to me like that exactly and I came home mm -hmm. and it's not that they did anything it no. was just that that don't wash with me no. and also I think that if you're if you pay me to do a job I'm going to do it. I don't know about the people in the Caribbean, but I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I might even save you some money because it's my duty mm. to deliver. Mm. Anyway, the long and short of it is I came back. But coming back, it was almost like feeling bad. You know, okay, feeling what were you, were you feeling bad because you feel that you should have stayed longer? Yeah, because I, when you make a move, when you're mm. at the level that I was, people are... Or on your back. That journey is not just your journey. Okay. You know? The journey is other people wanting it, it to work for you so that they can follow on your right. footsteps, on your you know right. footsteps they, or on your shoulders okay. they stand. And so making the thing to come back, people be like, why? Do you feel, Sherry, do you feel, did you feel almost as if you'd let some people down? Yes, I did. Really? I did. Um, I, when I was writing my book, I realised that I did. Because people would ask you, why? Why? You could could have why if that island didn't work go somewhere else you know it's not about that it's about you being ready you have to be ready to accept things that it's not like here you know okay you haven't got you haven't got um eggs 
Like, you can't get your eggs fried like here. You can't have your omelette like here. All the little things. You have to really be ready. Yes. Don't go there and complain. You have to learn to adapt. And I think that I didn't adapt. Yes, it's that. That is the key word right there. Learning to adapt. Yes. And you have to, the convenience. You know, my friend um, Fiona and I speak about that. Because, you know, sometimes, especially in the winter, you're like, what? I, why am I here? Yeah. I could be back in the Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you can. But can you go to Pret at any given time yes. and pick up your ready-made salad with yeah. all your quinoa and all your this and all your that? No. Yeah. But if you do, you're going to have to buy it from a hotel or a restaurant for $60. <laughs> That's right. You know, so, so there's that, little things like that. Yeah, little things like that. And then, you know, it's not as easy. There's a little sweet shop. There's a, okay, I run out of butter. Uh, let me go around the corner. Yeah. You have to think in yeah. advance. Yeah. And, and I had a... a um, a helper, I, I guess I don't like that word made. But I had a helper and that was good. Mm-hmm. But you can see how they've learned to ask, to beg. Mm. And and that was very hard to deal with okay. because because okay. they look forward to you giving them a freckle right. or doing something. So definitely you know. those cultural, cultural there are things. cultural differences. I, had, I thought I was Caribbean, but I wasn't Caribbean enough. enough. Right. Or in, in certain ways. In certain ways. In course, certain ways. Yeah. So you came back and you're like, right, OK, take a little time out. Yeah. This is now where I'm going to go. So how did I get to where I yeah, am Yeah, how did you now? come into the motivational speaking, empowering women? I got a, I got a call. I was I was going through that moment of I hate the world. Why did I come back here? <laughs> you know, you know, you come back and then you want to go back again. Right? Okay, but right. then um, I got a radio show. Um, somebody asked me to do a radio show, mm-hmm. and I said yes, and that really changed the whole dynamics of it. And had you ever done radio before? I'd done it for Choice FM, right? And the same person at Choice FM came and got me for. Bang radio at the okay. time, and I did, and I, I said yes. And in doing that, where I'm debating with my community, mm-hmm. um, really gave me back the confidence that so I just lost. So was it a lost. talk show? Or... It was a talk show. It was a right. Sherry Dixon show. Mm-hmm. We played music, seventies music. We had fun, danced in the room, mm-hmm. behaved badly, and then we we could, we we interviewed people like Pam Greer and what you had Pam Greer yeah, yeah we had Nia Long. Some, some, you had Nia yeah, Long. Yeah, yeah, Nia Long. <laughs> There's a list of them. It's on my website somewhere. I've seen that list. It's extensive and yeah. very diverse. Yes. I love that. So basically that gave me my mojo back. Mm. And then from that, um, I went on to do part-time um, learning about confidence. What is okay. confidence? How do you feel when you're confident? Mm. And the motivational speaker, I was now touring, um, you know, London University of Westminster, all these different okay. universities. And I was lecturing in confidence building and it just emerged and I left the radio show and I am here and I'm now one in that role as a um, motivational speaker. I've now won 13 awards. 13. One, three. One, three. Yes. Women okay. of the year, women um, of Africa. How does that feel? How, things. you know, looking back at your six year old self, sitting on the stoop, you know, having yeah. that discussion about Enid Blyton and why you feel that women should also climb trees and do all these other things to where you are now receiving awards for empowering women and being a voice of women, of mm-hmm. black women, of Caribbean women. How does that make you feel? I feel absolutely awesome. I actually look back at myself and say, 
I, I see my mother standing beside me and I say, we did it. We did it. Yes. And for that reason, I am so happy that I've achieved what I've achieved. And there is no stopping because who's I'm going back to live in the Caribbean. Well, you know, a little short term thing. Yeah. And I go back to motivate there mm -hmm. because I think that that England is overgorged with motivators and I think I'll give my time back to them. So mm. how do I feel? I feel absolutely awesome. Awesome is my middle name. Awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Sherry, where can we find you? Where can we find out where you're going to be speaking next? Okay. Where can we find out how, you know, we're starting our mentorship program, Island mm. Girls Rock, next year. Good. And I'm going to make this official Mm -hmm. you know, request that you become one of our mentors. Thank you. But I'll have to do it online, honey. But that's fine. We, can, we can find a way. Okay, can, you can find a way. Uh, and you know you've clearly shown that. Okay. Um, the, my website is all the W's, sherryandixon.co.uk. Um, my company is Women on the Crossroads, which we never got to talk about. No, but we maybe we'll do that next year. Okay. All the W's, women on the crossroads.co.uk. What is it? Dot org. Dot org. Dot org. I changed it from dot co UK okay. to org because we're going to, I'm I'm launching Women on the Crossroads in, every, in Barbados and I'm doing it in Guyana when I go back next time. So, well, in fact, just Google Sherry Ann Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to say that. Just right? Google Sherry Ann Dixon. Yeah, just Google Sherry It's been amazing having you here you. on our podcast and like I said you know we, we have the name of this episode now how to make shit happen yeah, I like that one <laughs> how to face it. <laughs> I love it thank you so much for inviting me thank you so much for sharing your wisdom it's been thank wonderful you. and a great way for us to end this season thank so you. thank you Sherry Ann Dixon and that brings Island Girls Rock Podcast Season 2 to a close. And what an amazing ride it's been via Dominica, Barbados, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, Nevis, St. Lucia and Guyana. It's been an honor. It's been a ride. And I've absolutely loved hearing the stories and sharing them all with you. And a huge thank you to you. Everyone that's listened, commented, shared, and subscribed. You are honorary members of the Island Girls Rock Tribe, and we truly appreciate you. Island Girls Rock Podcast is available to listen back to on ACAS, Apple, Castbox, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast groove on. This podcast was produced by Unedited for the Unedited Stories Network. See you again real soon. We soon come.